This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So to help us understand how such a thing can happen, I reached out to Brian Rose. He's a former federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of New York. He's a cybersecurity expert and founder of Tower Square Consulting. Brian, welcome to Cut to the Chase. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me on today. So were you surprised that this was an internal leak and not a foreign agent or entity? I'm not surprised. You know, the United States has a history of these kind of leaks, and I think it really points to something that those of us in the cybersecurity field appreciate that I don't think the general public necessarily does. And that's that, you know, cybersecurity is not always just protecting against hackers from outside and, and foreign governments. It's also a problem of insider access to information. In fact, that's what we see in either these government leaks or big corporate leaks. They're frequently the result of insiders who have justified access to the information but are using it in an unauthorized way. So this information bounced around various chats and threads for a couple of months before it was discovered. Were you surprised, as someone who's done this work for a long time, that such a leak could happen and kind of percolate out there uh, for that amount of time? So I was shocked by a couple of things. Um, one is that, as you mentioned, a, basically a low-level tech support person in the Massachusetts National Guard had access to this kind of information in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in Ukraine, South Korea, North Korea, the Mossad. These are the kinds of things he sh- didn't need access to to do his job, and it will be a real question down the road as to why he had this information. So I was certainly shocked by that. I, I'm also shocked by, as you mentioned, the fact that it wasn't discovered for up to two months after he posted it. And, and one of the reasons I'm shocked about that is in looking at the the way they had set this up, he was essentially um, accessing and printing information off a very sensitive database. The, the fact that he was printing that information was recorded in the print logs, and nobody picked up on it. That's the kind of thing that you, you have very sensitive information. You're allowing people to print, but certainly somebody should be reviewing that, and that should have been a huge red flag immediately. So it is somewhat shocking. He was able to print that information, hmm. carry it outside of the Massachusetts National Guard to his house, and upload it to the Internet with nobody being uh, any the wiser. Hi, it's Michelle here. Another question getting to the heart of why did this kid have this information? Um, I heard a report on CNBC that actually he'd been able to access the info for two years. That means he would have been 19 years old when they gave him this access. Why do so many people have clearances like this? Well, it, it's a little, it, it is a little shocking. I think in context, there, there are a lot of people who need information like this and are going to have justified access to it. I do not – I cannot explain why somebody in his position who doesn't have a need to know would have access to it, and I think there are a couple of explanations. The first is just sloppy management of their classified information. 
Um, you know, and we see now that they're taking steps to pair back distribution lists of, of the daily classified briefings. I'm sure they've restricted access to this system. But what happens over time, people are granted access and more people request access and they're given access and people aren't actively managing those distribution lists and those access controls, partly because it's a huge logis logistical job. And so my guess is this is something that slipped through the cracks. For some reason, he was granted access and nobody at any point picked up on the fact that this is a person who should not have this access uh, and should should be denied access to this kind of information. Um, it will be interesting to see what comes out of the investigation as to the facts and circumstances of this case, but I think probably in their review they're figuring out right now, you're going to have a lot of people like this who should not have access to the information, but because of either loose controls or because of just the fiscal task of going through and mapping out who should have access to classified information, these things can fall through the cracks. So, Brian, in this brave new world of ever-expanding tech, uh, ways of sharing and disseminating information are becoming more more diverse, more complicated, more difficult to track. So folks like you are going to be busier and busier and always having to evolve to keep up with bad actors. How do you stay on top of it all? It's very difficult because, you know, what happens is as you start to understand the way um, different attackers are working and the different problems and you fix those holes, they're already on to working on new vulnerabilities. And so uh, it's constantly staying on top of things and in front of things. I think one of the key things, though, is you're not always going to be able to keep people out, whether because you have a very sophisticated outside entity who hacks its way into your um, network or in this case, because somebody from inside has access to the information. The bigger problem is you have to make sure that if that happens, you catch it quickly so you can mitigate the damage. Um, you know, these attackers are very sophisticated. They may get in, but you should know when they're in and you should be able to shut it down quickly. And as you said earlier, that was one of the biggest problems here, right? He had access for over two years and he was transmitting this information outside of the Massachusetts National Guard for months before anybody even picked up on it. And, and that's, that's the real problem, yeah. How damaging do you think it is? Well, I'm not a national security expert. Um, I, you know, I, what I've seen, I think it's probably reputationally very damaging. I'm not sure from a secrets perspective it, it's, it's as damaging, but obviously – this is classified as top secret stuff, but I know they're trying to minimize it, but it's classified as top secret because its dissemination is going to be harmful. And so I, I think it's certainly harmful, um, you know, from a national security perspective, and it's certainly harmful reputationally, and it's harmful for our relationship with our allies, right? A lot mm -hmm. of this information is not just generated by the United States, but it's also shared among our various allies, and they need to be able to trust that you're going to keep that, that secret. And so when you have a leak like this, and when other countries see that you haven't secured the data and, in fact, somebody like this has gotten access to it and been able to leak it, that's going to certainly be very harmful um, from an intelligence perspective in terms of information sharing. One last question for you, Brian. Uh, what would you advise your clients if such a breach happens in their organization? So I, I think you need to be very careful of going through the process of, of securing your data as carefully as possible, right? Doing exactly what the government is doing now, which is doing a careful review 
of who has access to this information and making sure it's limited to those with a need-to-know basis, and that's a difficult task. I will say that one of the challenges the government faces and businesses face is, you know, this pendulum swings back and forth between securing and limiting access to data. So right now we're going, I think, probably in one direction where we're going to secure that data, we're going to really limit who has access to intelligence. But you don't want to go too far, either if you're a corporation or if you're the government. I mean, think about it from an intelligence sharing perspective. You want people to have access to this information because, you know, for instance, preventing terrorist attacks happens because information is shared and different agencies pick up different pieces of mm-hmm. information. We saw that in 9-11 for sure. Oh, right. So you don't want the pendulum to swing far back, too far back in the other direction. We're now we're limiting access, but we're also hampering people's ability to do their jobs, right? Um, and so I think you know walking that line is one of the most difficult things we try to help um, you know companies and governments do in these situations. Brian Rose, former federal prosecutor here in New York, cybersecurity expert and founder of Tower Square Consulting. Thanks so much for coming on Cut to the Chase. Thank you so much for having me.